Okay, uh, you ready? Yes. Is that a hard yes or a soft yes? That is a that is a rock hard yes. <laughs> okay. Actually, hold on just a second. Hold on. So it was a soft yes. Yes, rock it's like rock, yeah, rock hard yes. <laughs> it was a soft yes that you're trying to pass off as a hard yes. No, no, no. This is rock hard, and in four hours, if it's not gone, I will see a doctor. <laughs> okay. When the What up, bros? What up, bro? Welcome to Bra Beats World. What up, Bra Meets World? Your boy Meets World fancast. I'm Siege. And I'm your boy, TC. And welcome to episode 26. Episode 26, TC. 26. We, we, yo, we've been doing this for a minute. Yeah. For a hot minute. I'm actually like, people are like, oh, so what are you guys doing next? I'm like, can I just finish this season? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, by the way, you guys have been jamming out to our new theme song. Siege, can you uh, tell us a little bit about this new theme song before here? Yeah, ultimately, the theme song was made by a friend of mine. And we'll be trying this one out. And we may have like another version coming sometime soon. But yeah, you guys definitely give us feedback and tell us what you think. I have to say, having a custom Boy Meets world remix theme made me pretty rock hard i have to say <laughs> you and being hard today i don't know what it's about but i'm happy that you're i'm there. sorry i started it and i can't get off of it that's, <laughs> that's, that's what, what she, she said, said. Oh, all right bam yeah. moving on <laughs> <laughs> okay as usual let's go into let's just jump right into or jump right on uh our tell me about it tell me about it yeah, yo. All right, so this is season two, episode three, titled Notorious. Yeah. I'm, I, honestly, wait, real fast. Did you like yeah. the episode? Oh, yeah, I actually did, but I like it. So here's the thing. I liked the episode. I didn't love the episode. And I liked the episode for reasons outside of the episode, if that makes any sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I see that. All right, let, let's, let's do it. Yeah, we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. Tell me about it. Eric's girlfriend, Molly, is the editor of the school paper. Corey and Sean come by the paper office for a ride while Molly is doing some final proofy on the computer. While the couple is out of the room, Corey and Sean play around with the front page on which the headline is, New Principal is Feeny. Corey changes it to Teeny and Sean shuffles various letters around until he discovers Weenie. Both are amused, and Sean thinks if they leave it, they will become notorious pranksters, revered for the rest of high school, and Corey wants nothing to do with this. He changes the W back to an F and heads out. Sean does not. The next day, the paper comes out, and sure enough, it says Weenie. Most kids seem impressed with this prank, but nobody knows that Sean did it. Molly thinks that Eric did it, so she dumps him. Eric squares off women, only to immediately find a new girlfriend, Desiree. Jason, Eric's friend, realizes that Desiree is bad news, but Eric is too smitten. Meanwhile, Feeney asks for anybody with information to come to him, but Sean has no such intention. Corey hopes that the new that the whole thing will be explained away as a typo, but the next day the prank goes a little bit further when Sean has repainted Feeney's principal door to read Weenie. 
Feeney accuses Corey of the pranks because he was seen at the scene of the crime with another boy. Corey denies his guilt. Feeney believes him, but knows that Corey knew, knows who the guilty party is. Feeney says he will suspend Corey unless he rats out his friend, and Corey is faced with a decision. So, exactly. So, first thoughts. What did you think of this episode overall? Overall, um... I thought it was an okay episode. Like you said, we saw this a little bit last season with the cherry bomb thing, but this whole like Corey is a good friend for not telling on Sean thing. I'm not a fan of it. And and explain uh, yourself. I just, again, it's just that whole like gang prison mentality of like, you don't run at your boy, but that's (laughs) fucking dumb. You absolutely rat out your boy. And the fact that your boy would let you go down for some shit that he did, like, Sean, like, you're not a good friend. Like, no, I'm not going to put go out on a limb for you. I don't know. I, I didn't care for that. You're right. We've done this before, and we even kind of mentioned the Cherry Bomb episode. Um, but it is interesting that I felt they were building up to this now being a problem with Sean. You know, Sean's desire for power is different now that we're in high school. Yeah, I also didn't quite understand Sean's rationale in this episode. Like, what do you mean? Because because he's like, all right, so like they're they go to the newspaper office. I guess there's a newspaper office. Um, and they're looking at the computer, and they're changing it to they, all the letters around, and finally gets on Weenie, and then Sean's eyes get huge, because you know how he gets, yeah. you know, sexually attracted <laughs> to bad behavior. Um, and he keeps saying this thing about power, yeah. ultimate power. Actually, I have a really whole interesting, thing I have a whole thing yeah, yeah, yeah. His word use, choice to say power, I thought that was so... And just insightful as to who Sean is or who they want him to be, because that's like some Lex Luthor shit. Like, that's weird that he would say power, right? Exactly. I think, you know how I am, especially when it comes to this series and reviewing this series and being all social justice warrior. Uh, I immediately took this to uh, kind of express the different ways that white men deal with power. You know, like they kind of even go into like the hierarchy of what it means to have power because Corey's like, who are we? We're nothing. We have nobody. Uh, sorry, Sean asked Corey, who are we? And Corey's like, we're nobody with rats. And Sean's like, how does that make you feel? And he goes, well, better than the guys with no rats. And... Which I thought was funny, too. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious, <laughs> which is why I corrected myself. But the thing about that is it's kind of like this whole thing, especially since I've been reading this whole book about, it's called White Rage. And it's uh, about uh, how the oppression of... Um, people of color in America is based largely on this need of for white people to have some sort of power. Um, and they need to, you know, feel that they're relevant in some way, shape, or form. And this is definitely, for me, it's one of those things where it's like there's two 
ways of taking your position. You can either appreciate it. So you have Corey, who's just like, a, hey, we're better off than the guys who don't have rats. Uh, and then you could be like Sean, who's just like, that's not enough for me. Um, and he's just kind of blindsided by that. And so, yeah, that was like immediately while watching this, I was like, oh, it's very interesting what happens when you give white boys like just a little bit of power. Yeah. And I guess with, even within the context of the episode, I just wasn't quite sure how Sean thought that this was going to be the thing that made him legendary, considering no one had any <laughs> idea that he was the one doing it. I think there, I think it's something to wear. He's not wrong that it's a great prank and it does ripple throughout the school. So had they known who done it, he would be legendary. This would be like a great thing. The only problem is he doesn't own up to it. Like if he would have owned up to it, not only would he have gotten in trouble, but he would have gotten the fame that he wanted. I think it kind of echoes people's uh, mentality of like wanting the notoriety, but not wanting the consequences that come with it. You know what I mean? See, and to me, that would have been a way more interesting episode to have Sean, like, like have to, like, choose, like, do I want to own up to this and then be credited for this awesome thing and actually get the power, even though it comes with, you know, uh, a disadvantage of, like, coming forward? Or do I just let this thing go quiet and never step up and get the credit for what I did. Like, to me, that's a way more interesting episode than what they ended up doing. Yeah, and I think we have this problem with Boy Meets World every once in a while where we feel that they were on the cusp of a really great lesson and instead we get, you know, something like this where it's like, a you're right, had the viewpoint been from Sean and this, do I come forward and claim, like, you know, I'm Banksy and everyone loves me as Banksy. Do I reveal my identity or do I stay anonymous? You know, like, a, that's a very modern way of telling that story. Whereas now it's kind of something we've seen before with, do you allow Corey to take the blame? He doesn't blink an eye. He literally, he's like, thanks, bro. I was going to get sent to military school. Oh, by the way, we keep talking about this prank being legendary. It was literally a, a, a changing an F to a W. Like, there was no rocket science here. People are walking around the school. Harley Kiner's like, whoever did this needs to be in my gang. Girls are walking around just being like, oh, man, I'd suck the dick of anyone who did this. Like, all kinds of crazy stuff. Like, it's literally just a newspaper I want to remind you, this is the 90s, and we don't have internet porn yet. Or Snapchat. So... (laughs) This was the most interesting thing. Exactly. It's, like, small. We, like, literally have nothing else going on. Um... (laughs) I, I just thought that was just so... Oh, over the top. They made this seem like this was a master plan. Exactly. It was so sloppy. I'm not I don't gonna know. lie. I think that the reaction of, oh, if he was whoever did this, if they were my boyfriend, I'd do anything. It's like, okay, girl, set your bar higher. Yeah. <laughs> Does your dad like hug you? What's up? <laughs> okay. So um, now that we've done this, let's do our roll call. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the roll call, we get a couple of new characters. Of course, we get Molly. What do you think about Molly? 
Molly, uh, Eric's Lois Lane girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I thought she was absolutely ridiculous. Yes, she is. Not not only is she ridiculous because actually, like she she she's a nerdy, brainy girl. Like that's who she's supposed to be. But Eric just being like, you know what? That was my first chance to date in a brainy girl, and you and you guys ruined it. But Eric is consistently dumb, like over the top dumb around this girl, and I just couldn't understand why Eric was so like upset about losing this girl that obviously he had no nothing in common with. Well, I think it's uh, one of the things that's interesting about his relationship with Molly is it's all based in status, which I think is really interesting and an interesting take. And I think they could have done something there about, and they kind of hinted at it a little bit about status and like um, what it means to have a reputation um, in this school. Because, yeah, Eric's like, a, oh, she was the editor of the school paper. I was connected to power. And I was like, wow, that is an interesting way to read that relationship. Yeah. You know what I mean? And also using the word power again. Like exactly. That's, and and I can understand this whole, like, you know, Eric is in high school, too. And him and just like Sean and Corey, they're all just trying to figure out who they are and where they belong. And that I'm on board with. But this whole, like, I, I was close to power and I did this thing that could have made me powerful that has like a weird conversation. Right? It to is it. a very weird like I, I so I thought that. But at the exact same time, I thought Molly was a little bit much in the sense of like, A, she's like using all these words and like just honestly, like, just calm down. Just like bring it out a little bit, right? Be a person. But also yeah, though, there's Yeah, you don't have to be so damn pretentious, <laughs> exactly. Molly. We get it. We get it. You watch Dawson's Creek. We got it. <laughs> no, she watches Frasier. And you know that she's like high. Uh, she it. absolutely watches Frasier. <laughs> and okay, you know what? That's fine. I remember uh wearing sweater fest to high school because I thought that that was cool. You know, I was a very pretentious kid. I understand it. But at the same time, it's just like, girl, it's not that serious. And the fact that she wrote Eric like this full... um, Sorry, one second. The fact that she wrote Eric this like full page letter telling her... Sorry, telling him how she's disappointed and like all this other stuff and that he's ruined her potential. It's like it was one thing and you're not wrong. You should definitely be fired because one of my first thoughts were who like let the paper go out? I worked in a newspaper, even if the boys changed it, like there is no way that no one saw all of the papers get printed, looked at the headline and then released it to the school. <laughs> so many people had to turn a blind eye in order to make this happen. There's exactly. no way the fault falls on seventh graders. And which, by the way, at a certain point, and Harley is talking about this whole prank thing and Sean comes up to him and he's like, hey, did I say a seventh grader could eavesdrop in on the senior conversation? That age gap just really clicked for me in that moment. Like seventh graders and twelfth graders, like that is huge. It just clicked. and I know you, we talk you, something you always talk I, about. <laughs> I know, I know, but I guess I just like like the conversations that a, a seventh grader would overhear eighteen year olds saying. You know, like the reality of that. 
and how I mean, fast honestly, they would have to I grow up. I don't think it's. I mean, maybe I'm being a bit naive, but I don't think it's that bad because, like, if you have an older brother, I mean, which Corey does, it's just you're gonna hear those conversations anyway. I think that. Yeah, I guess we. Are. I just, I just don't see it being that bad. But also, we live in a society where like kids have phones and computers, so I just think that they're not really seeing and or hearing anything new now. We get to one of my favorite moments of this, and not in a positive way. Uh, let's talk about Miss Desiree Emmeline Hollinger Beaumont. Is it Beaumont or Beaumont? I, I don't know the difference. I All I know is that I remember Desiree the moment she pop up, popped up on the screen. Like, as soon as, like... Like, I just remember her as being part of the show. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, that's Desiree, even before they said her name. And part of the reason I remembered her is because even as a kid, I noticed that Desiree's nipples are on full <laughs> display the entire time she's on the show. This is prime time TGIF nipples. Well, but this people. is the same time where Rachel's nipples were showing all over Friends. So Rachel was it. on an adult show. This chick is a high schooler in high school with well, areolas. Party of Five with Jennifer Love Hewitt and her nips. Also an adult show. This is there are kids <laughs> on the show. I don't yeah, but see here's the thing. Kid, again, I think that. First of all, in the costume department, you can't help someone's nipples. And then second of all, it's kind of like a thing where it's like... It was a white sweater. It was a white sweater. If the kid is looking at someone's nipples, they are looking at someone's nipples. Whether they were hard or not. I'm just going to put that out there. I I just thought it was very interesting because it's in a high school. It's high schoolers looking at... (laughs) I don't know. Well, maybe no I one just acknowledges don't your like, I think it was just you. <laughs> maybe I just don't think we should be sexualizing high schoolers. Maybe that's just me. He I is don't in know. A sweatshirt and um, I think like a skirt with suspenders. Again, she is not being sexualized. Not like we've seen some of these girls be sexualized. So I think it's I would, all in your head. I would disagree. I, I think that she it. is overtly sexualized. Oh, she's she very is... sexual, but like I'm talking about if we're talking about the clothing department, she is not like in a low cut blouse where we can see like a bunch of cleave. Oh no, no, no. Like, You're right. She's not like she's not showing a lot of skin at all. That's not it. But what is happening is that there's a tightness to the clothes. I don't know. I <laughs> I've read this in a certain way and i thought that she was basically a honeybee like she like she was there to you know attract eric this dumb guy to basically do all the shit she didn't want to do for i mean though she is desiree's a horrible person first of all i remember you're right i remember desiree but i thought she was a one episode character and then the way that this one ended i was like oh no Desiree's gonna be here. <laughs> yeah, I think she's at least two, maybe even three episodes. Maybe. I just know I I know how the story ends with her because I remember that distinctly. And uh Well Well, because that leads Jason. Us, well, I would say that leads us into the third character on our roll call, who is Jason. Jason is back. I was and I so happy that he popped up on this screen. I love Jason so much. We already know this if you listen to episode one. Uh, and Jason is played by Jason Marston, and he's just gorgeous. <laughs> Look at that hair. 
He just, every time he talks, I just want to pay attention to only him. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, especially, like, there's a scene later on where he's just, uh, where she's asking for pudding. And he hits, yeah, he just hits that that comedic timing every single time. It's just, yeah. he's great. He's absolutely fantastic. And I was really, really happy to see him. And it's also, you know, we do a little bit better with continuality this episode than we usually get from Boy Meets World. Because we talk about the Cherry Bomb episode. Yeah, and- I thought that was a big deal, too. Because, I mean, for them to at least acknowledge that that was something that, like, Oh, Sean's family has a memory of things yeah, that happened yeah, in exactly. his life. <laughs> and then Jason is back, and we have Jason here uh, as Eric's friend, which, you know, it's like uh, they very easily could have just let that go. But no, Jason was established as his high school friend, and so he's here. And I think that's cool. Well, I think as they, you know, wanted to focus more on the school, it just made it sense to just kind of expand Eric's circle a little bit more. Like Eric, I think has more interactions with like Harley and them, you know, later on in the, in the season. Um, it, yeah. It, it's just rounding out his character and his life a little bit separate from the family dynamic. Exactly. So uh, that, that, that is our roll call. So. Uh, oh no, 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 it's not. You're forgetting another very important character that we were introduced to. Uh, janitor bud. Janitor Bud, of Janitor course. Bud. Yeah, so Janitor sorry. Bud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, I, I think for the very first time, uh, I can't remember last episode, but I think for the first time we actually hear Harley say Joey's name um, this episode. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does say Joey's name. Well, and Fra- Frankie says Joey's name, too. Exactly. Well, my whole thing was that when we see Joey the first time, they never say his name. We get Frankie's name a lot, but we don't get uh, Joey's name until later. And so that was like when I was like, oh, okay, they are actually acknowledging it. Was he referred to as Joey the Rat yet? I I like that you brought that up. I don't know if it was intentional, but I kind of feel like it was. We started off the episode with Corey and Sean and their rats. And then the entire episode is about whether or not to rat out a friend. And they kind of bring that up over and over again. Ooh, yeah, that is interesting. Ooh, you know what else I thought was crazy fascinating? What? This whole dynamic between Harley Kiner and Joey and Frankie. Because at the end of the episode, they, I guess, break into the newspaper office again and type weenie like a thousand times because apparently no one changed the protocol for this <laughs> newspaper release the first time. Um, exactly. And they're like, And I was just like, what is this relationship? Like, how did this start? Because to me, the, the, the 
almost devotion that I see between Frankie and Joey to Harley kind of reminds me of Dwight and Michael on The Office. This like, like unending, like I'll do whatever for that person's approval kind of relationship. Well, I mean, yes and no. I think we've already established in earlier episodes that Harley is the it guy. He's the tough guy. Um, and these two are his henchmen, which, you know, again, that to me would say the whole Dwight thing. But the way that he says to Joey, uh, whoever's done this, not can join our crew, but should replace you in our crew makes it a little bit more of a less, it seems less Michael and Dwight to me and way more of a, what they were going for, which is like a mafia type thing, which is that like you could be replaced or edged out. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I guess it was just Harley's reaction to the whole thing where he was like, guys, you know, like I'm actually like touched, like I'm having a moment. And there just, there did seem to just be this sweetness. I think the three of them just have amazing chemistry. And maybe that's just it. And maybe that's why it, to me, it read more loving than anything else. Like they actually had this love for each other in their own kind of gangster way. Yeah. Um, yeah, but they just, I and mean, the three of them, whenever they're together, I'm just like, yeah, I want to see more of it. Uh, I just, I just don't think that that part read as anything other than Harley displaying his power and them wanting to stay in the circle. Well, we do, we do touch on power a lot in this episode. Yeah, I mean, exactly. That's another thing. It's just like power is a really big one. So speaking of power, uh, I wanted to bring up the Scarlet Letter and. Uh, Mr. Turner. Well, I thought we saw another example of the show tying in classic literature. I thought it did a pretty decent job of not being over the top. Um, Yeah, but all right. So I have a question. And one was, do we not use the Scarlet Letter a little bit later in the episode that you were talking about later? Do you know what I'm talking about? Is that not the same book that we're reading? I, you know what? I thought the Scarlet Letter appears in the episode with Corey and Topanga that takes place later in the season. That's I what I'm talking wrong. about. That's what I'm yeah. talking Yeah. And maybe they're, I mean, like, maybe they're still reading that shit. Like, it's a long book. Well, <laughs> just letting you guys know, I'm going to be keeping track on it. Because the moment they're like, we're reading the Scarlet Letter, you're like, this is the very first time. And by the way, where is Topanga? But that's a whole other conversation. Uh, <laughs> or maybe maybe we're off. I don't know. But yeah, as soon as they said that, I was like, oh, this seems like an interesting choice for this episode. But it does bring up an interesting topic of reputation and what reputation does. Because when Mr. Turner's like, um, go easy on him, Feeney, he's at a new school and Feeney replies, so am I. I was like, that's a very powerful comeback. Yeah. And just really kind of shows, uh, you know, Feeney, this other dimension to him of just like, he seems like he's this hard ass who's got everything figured out, but he's in this new place too. And he has to worry about his own reputation. I also want to say that I am a hundred percent here for Jonathan Turner's white man, Jerry Curl. You, we've talked about this before. I'm here for everything Jonathan does. Jonathan can do yeah. <laughs> I I mean, I, I just feel like, especially like for some reason, this, he was only in this episode a little bit, but the entire time I was like, damn, that hair is just, there's so much soul glow in that thing. And I, <laughs> I cannot look Let away. Your soul glow. He just has it. He has it figured out. I don't know. 
I'm jealous of it. Yeah. If I'm being honest. Turner is just like amazing. Also, like he has a little, a few funny bits. Like I wrote down the little part where he was like, uh, they were doing the Scarlet Letter or whatever. And they asked him what A stood for. And Corey gave some stupid answer. And he's like, calm down. He's never seen an A before. And I was just Yeah, like, I thought that was funny too. It's a fun little bit. Okay, so um, before we wrap this up, I wanted to talk about the scene with Corey and his parents. Uh, first of all, we get the little bit of fun, which I think that we use the family wisely here. Again, not too much and not too little. Uh, we get the part with Morgan says the word weenie over and over again. But so she does her part. The punchline with her, I can read. That was cute. That was like, <laughs> yeah, that's Morgan being Morgan, guys. Yeah, Morgan being Morgan. <laughs> Um, but then also when he comes to talk to his parents and there's two things. One, when um, he's like, it's not Sean. And they're like, oh, it's Sean. And he's like, no, <laughs> he's like, I mean, if that makes you feel better. But like my other friend, Sean, clearly, uh, you know, and that, that whole little thing where it's like he's trying to skirt around the issue. But like everyone knows he only hangs out with one other person. And so it's got to be Sean. I thought that was fine. But I love the discussion about permanent records in college because, again, we get a little bit more of an adult theme with this than they could have gone. Yeah, I, I, yeah, the permanent records thing I think is kind of whatever. I mean, I don't think suspensions really matter that much. If so, there's no way I would have gotten into college. Um, no, but my, my whole part is not the permanent records thing. Because, yeah, my first thought was, like, who looked at permanent... Like, that whole permanent record thing is just something you tell kids to get them to behave. Because it doesn't... I've only heard the word, like, permanent records on, like, Doug Funny. Like, exactly. that Doug said that made permanent records a really big deal, I remember. But that's all I know. But, no, my whole point of that is when Amy's, like... Not only is it a great punchline, but it is such a good, like, analysis of the entire system in my mind. Again, if we're talking about things and what holds up, for me, I think that this moment is a fantastic moment. Yeah, true. Like, you gotta rat out your friend because we're poor. (laughs) <laughs> Rich people don't have to worry about that. Damn. Yeah, that's crazy, right? I mean, that's just my whole thing. So, in all honesty, uh, yeah, that's that was going to be my broad moment, and I'm going to bring it up again. But that, for me, is such a relevant conversation to have. And also, yeah. I love when they remind us that the Matthews are not swimming in dough. You know, they are... They're middle class, but they're kind of lower middle class. Um, just in- or they just have they just have bills. Like I, I feel like every person, no matter what kind of class you're in, like you adjust to the lifestyle that you're in. You know, true. But I think we've t- we've covered this over and over again with Alan. They are, you know, like. Alan's the manager at a grocery store. He's not like most other TV professions where like dad is a lawyer or like a business. You know, it's just like a, his his finances are, in fact, 
dependent on well to they are a two income household i would even say three because not only does amy show houses she also runs an art gallery (laughs) she has two jobs while alan has one so they are getting plenty of dough (laughs) but but again they're still concerned about sending their kids to college sure sure uh, and I I just love when the show reminds us of that. Um, and yeah, this is for me, that was just a really great moment of television. We, you have to write out your friend because we're poor. <laughs> Yo, so what did you think of this whole like fucking. So no one really tells Corey what to do. No one's like Jonathan's talking to him like, hey, are you saying I should write out? Sean, that's not what I'm saying. Are you saying I should? You know, that's not what I'm saying. No one wants to give him a clear answer. And even Feeney himself is just kind of like, doesn't really tell him like what was the right thing to do and doesn't discourage him from ultimately taking the blame for Sean. Um, I just feel like this is really poor teaching. Just like, I don't think so. read out this kid. I don't like, think so. I don't know. I, I don't, maybe like, that's what, just me. Where are you coming from from that? And like, I want to discuss that because for me, I think that A them not giving them him the answer is great teaching it's preparing him for life we can't always tell you what to do especially when everyone already knows the thing about this that's interesting is again the whole setup is Corey was seen with another guy uh who did this prank and they don't believe that Corey did it but they believe that the other accomplice is the one uh who's really at fault Corey only hangs out with one other person. Everyone knows who that other person is. And all they need is for Corey to say something. But as Feeney says earlier, he's like, I never expected you to say anything. I just think that in certain circumstances, there is a very clear right and wrong. And I think basically like... (sighs) What do you think is the right and wrong in this? I think that Sean is 100% in the wrong in this. I think that Sean Sean is a bullshit friend for letting Corey do this. I feel like Corey should 100% have ratted his friend out because his friend did it. Well, and I disagree. I think what everyone... I think your problem is that the show focuses on Corey, and I would agree. Maybe that's it. Yeah, maybe I just... It's not... It's not... Corey's responsibility to rat out his friend, especially when, if we're being honest, the stakes are really low. Um, the stakes are like boringly low. Exactly. <laughs> so, because of that, it's not really a they do it's like Corey should run. And, you know, where I would be like, a, no, Corey definitely has to go in there and run and tell Feeney. Um, I think that you're right that what they should have done was focused a little bit more on the Sean aspect of coming. Uh, and claiming responsibility or not. But maybe they felt like they did that already with the uh, Cherry Bomb episode. I don't know. No, because um, even in the Cherry Bomb episode, it took until the very last minute for him to even consider Corey's feelings in any of that. But in this episode, he doesn't give a damn about Corey. The only time he actually repents and comes forward is when Feeney makes it clear that like he knows that Sean did it. Well, no, he only comes forward after he confesses. Like he yeah, comes yeah. forward because it's that old trick, which is literally uh, idiotic. Uh, where Feeney says something along the lines of uh, "Mr. Hunter, spell correctly next time." And Sean's like, how could you tell him? And he's like, do you think I would have told him? And Sean's like, oh, man, 
you're right, you wouldn't have. I just basically ratted on myself. And that's how he gets caught. But other than that, he doesn't even really take blame for it. And even then, he immediately blames uh, Corey for him getting caught. Because he's also like, why didn't you just tell them that it was me? Now I'm in more trouble. I'm not going to disagree with you that Sean's a bad friend in this episode. I think that your problems with the way that they taught Corey were not about Corey. They were about the fact that this episode didn't center around Sean. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't like Sean very much in this episode. That's just it. I <laughs> yeah. still like him very much. Yeah, there you go. Um, anything else you want to say now that we've closed it out? Yes. Evidently, Harley has a locker full of ears. It has been made clear by Joey the Rat in this episode that he has a locker full of ears. There's a bunch of kids walking around. The glasses are crooked because they ain't got no ears. <laughs> Yeah, I don't even know what to do with that because it's just like that's clearly not a real thing, or else the law would definitely be involved. You know what? I mean? Especially now that Feeney's here, you know what I mean? Really? Because <laughs> apparently a thirty-two-year-old man has been allowed to attend <laughs> senior year over and over again. Who knows what he's capable of? He was going to murder someone for a piece of chicken, and the adults <laughs> did nothing about it. All of those were empty threats. Not, you have no proof that Harley is Ooh. not just a really advanced. 18 year old so empty threats yeah (laughs) i don't know i don't know that that flies nowadays well yeah no i mean like nowadays you're right it would be wrong but what in the time we're talking about again i i think that you're taking a lot of leaps here i just don't trust this harley guy i just don't he's too (laughs) old he's way too old all right are you ready to do your bra moment yes okay what is your bra moment um, you know, I guess my bra moment would have to be, do uh, yours and come back to me. I'm well, still thinking. Yeah, mine. yeah, yeah. I already did mine, which is that I thought that my bra moment was when, uh, Alan was like, we have to, um, you have to write out your friend cause we're poor and you know, just like how the system works. I thought, again, yeah, yeah, that yeah. That to me is such a more. That's a relevant conversation to now that I just was definitely surprised in hearing in, uh, in the show set in the 90s. I I would have to say, yeah, I'll agree with you because I don't really, I can't really think of anything else that would be like a relevant top, topic, like a hot button issue. Uh-huh. That Yeah, because everything else that I'm kind of obsessed with with this episode was like the focus on power and really just these kids just really kind of, you know, where is my place? Like, we saw that in the previous episodes, and I think we'll continue to see that theme over and over again. Um, and, and it almost, to me, kind of becomes like Scooby-Doo's, like, monster of the week is like, well, what are the kids going to do this week to try to get, feel special? Like, it, it kind of turns into that a little bit, I think, but I don't know. We'll see. All right. I'll give you that. All right. How about your Feeny taught me? Um, Feeney taught me to not rat out on a friend, but totally rat out on a friend, but not rat out on a friend. <laughs> okay. I thought that the teeny, sorry, teeny, ha, teeny, weenie, weenie taught me. <laughs> I've learned a yeah, lot what, what was the What was your weenie taught me of this week? <laughs> the weenie taught me of this episode is, um, about, again, I think reputation and, 
I think the real big lesson of this episode is that names and um, identity are really important. Uh, This whole power dynamic. uh, Yeah, I think that that was, to me, the real lesson there, which is that, you know, everyone here is trying to make their own name and everyone here is trying to kind of hold on to the power that they have. And when something like this happens, you have to be aware of how your actions influence others. Does that make sense? Was that like a ramble? Yeah. No, 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 no. I, I, I see that. I see that. But you know, I think you're making me realize that I didn't like this episode. <laughs> because you're, what you're saying is making sense, but like, I didn't get hardly any of that. Like, usually Boy Meets World gives me a lot of meat to chew on. And this episode, I was really like just searching for things. And again, I, I don't know. I think I saw it, and I'm not going to disagree with you, because my grade for this is, like, it's average, but, and we'll do grades in just a second, but, like, the Feeny taught me, like, when... The Weenie taught me. The Weenie taught me when Alan was, not Alan, when Mr. Turner was talking to Corey, and he has that moment of, like, them sitting down and really talking about the fact that Feeny just got here and Corey just got here and all this other stuff. And then the same thing with Feeny and the weenie thing, you know, like the name and it following you around and all this other stuff, you know, that whole booger conversation, which we really didn't get into. That is the very important booger conversation guys. (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, so let's talk about that for a second. Cause we didn't really get into it, but for me, it was something. Let's get into the boogers guys. (laughs) Well, the thing about calling, you know, it's when uh, Mr. Turner threatens to call Corey Booger going forward. He's like, and I guarantee you that'll follow you. Maybe that'll follow you even outside of high school. And it, we've had this conversation before, but I have been notorious for giving people nicknames like and not even thinking about it. I always tell the story about uh, this kid who I went to elementary school with where I called him Twinks because to me, he always ate Twinkies. And so, like, it was a good way for me to remember Hmm. who he was that's a very interesting name to give someone well i gave it to him innocently because of twinkies but turns out that nickname stuck with him way after uh elementary school people just called him twinks and he did not like it and i found that out like midway through high school that this name i gave this kid back in the fifth grade still stuck and so i just think that learning that you know like other people have reputations that they're trying to protect too is a lesson. Uh, even if they're like someone like Mr. Feeney, who you feel is untouchable. Does that make sure, sense? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So again, that's what I got from it. I'm not saying that like they went directly there, that it does the greatest job. Cause I think you're right that there are so many other lessons we could learn. And I just think they really just like missed an opportunity to explore Sean's, um, I don't know, just his point of view a little bit like that. Again, just changing it to to be more about him having to, you know, sacrifice something for the fame that he wants. Like, to me, that's more interesting of an episode. I would have liked to have seen something like that. This, I'm kind of bored with it. Yeah, you know, honestly, I think even, like, the episode is titled Notorious. And I think you're right that to have an episode that featured or focused more on not just, like, the reputation of Feeney and all this, you know, and and getting a name, but what it means to actually 
get an infamous reputation and yeah, the it, price of it. Yeah, yeah that's that's way more interesting. Yeah, I think that's definitely uh, a missed opportunity. Okay, grades. What are you giving this episode? Mm, C plus. Ooh. Uh, again, we have one of the very rare ones where uh, I'm giving it a lower episode than you would. I'm just going to give it. Okay. okay. Yeah, sure. Sounds about right. It's kind of a boring episode. I don't know. I was even, I probably would have even given it a little bit lower of a grade, but as usual, Jason being in it brought it up. And then also the introduction of Desiree, as much as I don't like her, her being here, which by the way, I didn't bring it up because I was like, too, I was like, who is this Julia Sugarbaker motherfucker? Like, who, you know, <laughs> I'm like, what part of Atlanta is she even supposed to be from? No, this this is a hundred percent a Hollywood chick who took a accent class. Exactly, but it's just like it's that whole uh, foghorn leghorn Southern girl. You know what I mean? It's just like- yeah. She watched a bunch of Looney Tunes episodes. <laughs> this is what happened. She did it. You know, this is a terrible accent. And she always talks about what daddy brought her, and it's just like, oh my god. I felt very <laughs> uncomfortable by the way she kept saying daddy. <laughs> Oh, God. But, again, this is not the last we'll hear of Desiree, so. No, not the last appearance of Desiree's nipples either, guys. (laughs) Stay tuned. Ah, this guy. I get it. I get it. Okay. um, Homework. What do you got for them? Homework. Um, I just saw The Incredibles 2. I thought it was baller. Um, I love the focus on the female hero this time around. I think it's just a really just... uh, the way they made um, Elastigirl's action sequences, I felt like I was in like a full-on action movie. I thought they made her so cool as a superhero. Um, I'm really excited for more people to see it. Yeah, no, honestly, I think that this movie, it, to me, it's a great sequel. I've, I, like, I feel that if you were an Incredibles fan, like a hardcore fan, you are not disappointed. I've heard a few people say certain things, like, and they have a little bit of problem with the twist, but... I remind myself that, A, this is a kid's movie, and that, B, um, like, we've just, we have so much more that we're consuming now, so you're clearly going to come to certain conclusions sooner than, you know, probably you would prefer, but at the exact same time, I think it's a great film, and I love everything they do. Yeah, and I I, I do think that they do a great job in The Incredibles of not making the movie's really about the superhero parts of it and i think that if like if there were more attention onto that there might be a more complex story there as far as like the villain and everything but there's just that's not really what it's about it's about the family it's always been about the family i feel like that's what makes the movie great actually one of the things without any spoilers that i really do like about the movie is it even kind of hits on our relationship with superheroes and why we watch them and why we uh embrace them and i thought that was a really good thing for the movie to hit on as well sure yeah totally okay uh my homework this week if you guys have the time again i mentioned it earlier i'm reading the book sorry the book white rage the unspoken truth of our racial divide by carol anderson uh it is a great read and uh, you know what? I said great read, but you really got to have time because it is a heavy, uh, 
every trek through America's history. Uh, and just, it, it says white rage, but the book really is about, more about the plight of the African-American uh, inside of America. And it just, yeah, it, it it's a very interesting thing to learn how we deal with power and, and what it means to be in power in America. Hmm. 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 Okay. So there you go. That's the homework assignment. Um, any other closing things before we wrap it up? Nope. All right. Let's move on to the next episode. I'm excited. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening to Brum Meets World. Remember you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, leave us a rating. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Brum Meets World or email us at brummeetsworld at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J. And Tony Curtis? Yes, I. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at me. Okay, you guys, that is the episode. We'll see you next week. Remember to dream, try, and... Dream, try, and do good, guys. Do good. Do better than Sean did. (laughs) All right. Do much better than Sean did. Later, bros. Later.